This is an ABC podcast. It's time to get out and about in the garden with Rowanna and Sabrina here on ABC Radio Perth and WA. And we are so happy to be back with you again for another Saturday of Roots and Shoots. Sabrina, good morning. Well, top of the morning to you, Ro. Happy to be here? I'm always happy to be here. Have you voted? I voted a week ago. What? Yeah. Why? Oh, I hate queues. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good enough. Given the, the um, text and photos and things that I people know. have sent through from polling votes in the Perth area this morning, welcome to everyone, I should say, in the regional in regional Western Australia who are joining me for the first time today. Um, yeah, seeing some of those photos, I yeah, a bit no, ugly. You, if you are given the opportunity to not have to stand in a queue for an hour, <laughs> then I say grasp it with every pore that you can. But did I you guess, get a cupcake or a bacon no, egg sanger or a see, sausage See, that sizzle? was the thing. There mm. was no, no CWA lady sandwiches. Mm. There were no cupcakes, no cup of tea, no sausage sizzle. Mm. You know, in actual fact, the atmosphere wasn't really that exciting. <laughs> were you harassed on the way in with how to vote cards? No, no one harassed. Mm. But there were four um, divisions there yep. of the team um, and they just said, would you like? And so you could say oh. yay or nay as okay. you walked in. Now, but I'm, I, now I, I'm regretting not getting organised because <laughs> it's still oh, yeah. to do this Now, today. if you go at about five o'clock yeah. this afternoon, you should be pretty right. Yeah. I remember, um, must have been, it was May, so it must have been a federal election um, a couple of years ago and I think I ducked down to Guildford Primary at about five to six and it was yep. glorious. I just yeah, scooted just in. Yeah, just straight in. Yep. Um, That's know, the way to go. Make sure you don't get that fine. That's why with flights, I always wait for them to call my name or I go in there. <laughs> You're going to be seated, belted out, seated, <laughs> no, far out, seated. No, no and sitting belted for up me. Too early. No, no. You, you fit one more drink in before you get on that plane. That's my <laughs> thoughts on it. Tomato juice, of course, Ro. Absolutely, with a bit of celery. Mm. Um, just your week in general. Anything exciting in the gardening world that cropped up this week? Uh, not so much gardening, but uh, in because my my body, you know, is a, a temple. temple. Uh, and for the first time, I went on one of those running machine things oh. where where the pace is set by how quickly you run, which I always think is extremely dangerous because that little belt thing goes, fangs it, and I've always been terrified that I go, zing! Trying to keep up. Yeah, and slam this up. This way against... you guide the yeah. tempo. So it's got handles, and I've never been game to let go of the handles. Oh. So on Friday... I let go of the handles and I ran. You broke new ground. Woo! Congratulations. A PB for me. For people that don't know anything <laughs> about sport, that's personal best. <laughs> Jeez, you're good. Do you know what? Today we're back in that, just a reminder, Yes. at 10 o'clock yes. we have to skedaddle because Sports Talk's back oh, they in are the morning too. slot they... at 5 past 10. So, Do you think they'd like some training from me this year, Ro? Because, you know, I've got a, I've got three terms up my sleeve now. <laughs> you do. What have you got? You've got personal best or yeah, PB? PB. I've got a clubhouse leader. And then I used one last week for... Mm, I've forgotten it already. Right. I'll do some homework on that. All right, let's get into your calls. 1300 222 720 if you want to have a yak to Sabrina. Ideally about gardening, but it doesn't yeah. have to be limited no, to that. It can be something to do with sport. <laughs> no, save that for the next show. <laughs> <laughs> right, Levi, good morning. Hello. Hello, Levi. How are you? Yeah, good. Ah, oh, thank you. What can we do for you today, Levi? Me and my twin brother got a um, eight-foot spiky palm with no roots. Right. Um, can you please tell us what it is? Yes. Um, it looks to me uh, that you have a yucca. So I don't think it's a palm, Levi. I think it's a yucca. Y-U-K-K-A. If yep. it's not that, it's a cordyline. So I can't make your photo any bigger. But um, now you said, did you you it did it come from a cutting? You said it didn't have any roots. Yeah. Has it got a bulb? It, it was cut off, was it? Yeah. 
Ah, here we are. It's got bigger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> by magic. The magic of Molly. Um, that's definitely a yucca. Okay, so number one, it's unkillable. Number two, you can grow that from a cutting. It's quite a large one though, Levi. So you're going to have to keep the water up for a little while. You've planted it in the ground, yeah? Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. Now, um, I know it's quite tall, but I w- if I were you, Levi, I'd cut the head off it. Okay. So get um, a, a good pair of long-handled uh, pruners because it's a spiky little sausage. Um, so take half of the top of it off, to, half of the top of the head off. Yep. And away she'll go. Beautiful. Thank you, Levi. Thanks for giving us a call this morning. Let's head now to Judy on 1300 222 She's in Leaderville. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, girls. How are you? Very yeah, well, well, Judy. Um, Sabrina, I've got a couple of pieces of news for you. Oh, so, good. Firstly, my clematis is flowering. <gasps> I spoke to you about a few weeks ago. Oh, how wonderful. And secondly, um, there were the chili mites on the grapevine. Oh, they were the um, chili thrips. The thrips, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, beef and, and shook it, you know, and tapped yes, it. Yes, yes. the stove, the yep. black stove, and there they were. Oh, God. Now, I believe that um, they're – so the chili thrips are f- fairly going to town. Um, so they're on strawberries, on grapes. They're sort of going all through the veggies, oh. on roses, and – the Ag Department aren't quite sure why it's been such an explosion of population this year. But, Judy, have you got some um, pyrethrum or...? Yes, I've sprayed them underneath the leaves. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Only, the, the one good thing is that um, in about a month's time, that'll be it. They're, they're over and done with. The oh, life cycle's finished. Great. And the so. other thing, I've got a question about my clevias. Yeah, uh, up the sides of the leaves there to look like they've been eaten, but I don't think it's that. It's sort of like a little brown kind of a line going up the clivias. A brown line. Um, I would suggest that's fungal. That's Yeah, so I would spray them with mancozeb. Judy, give that a crack. Good on you, Judy. Thanks for giving us a call. A couple of quick text messages coming through on 0437922720. Just around timing, really. Hi, Sabrina. Is now a good time to repot an olive tree? It's about two metres tall. Thanks, Johnny Mount Lawley. Yep, John, go for it. Do it this weekend. And Linda writes, hi, ladies, can I trim and feed my native plants now? I don't like yep. to touch them whilst it was so hot, but many of them are getting leggy and floppy. Actually, I'd wait until next week because... It's going to be, I think it's going to be 35 by Friday, by next Friday. Okay. So I'd leave it until the end of March. And one more before we head back to the phones. This is from Sarah in Kalamunda. Hi, Sab and Rowanna. Um, my Chapman River climber, or the more exotic term that you can say. Sabrina. Marianthus. Oh, I could have said that. Anyway, <laughs> spectacular in spring, but very sad now. I have sprayed trace elements a couple of times. Soil meter is showing moist. Any ideas? Uh, okay, so you're in – so Kalamunda has rock and in between rock has soil uh, and some of that soil is loam or clay, so they don't like heavy soil. Um, what I would do is keep up the trace element spray but give it a good hard prune. Okay. Hope that helps. Now we'll head to Anna in Karina. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, Anna. So I've got an orange tree and I thought I was doing a really good job this year and I trimmed it and I only have four oranges on one branch and none on any other branch. Oh, that's, well, <laughs> you know what I've done wrong. Well, you probably did what I did with my orange tree which has no flowers and no fruit whatsoever as I pruned the hell out of it last year uh, and I think I may have gone a little bit too hard. So... Um, <laughs> So pruning, and I also pruned at the wrong time of the year because I pruned it when I had time, which was definitely not the right time of the year. So I think you you need to change your pruning time so that it has time to develop the – because, of course, they, it fruits on the new wood. 
So if it takes a long time for that new wood to develop, then you're not going to get fruit this winter. So what you okay. need to do is you need to prune it in when well supposedly they finish pruning uh, they finish fruiting in spring so that's when you prune your orange tree don't do it like I did and do it like four months before winter good on you. Anna, appreciate your call. Um, Malcolm in Broome, who's become a regular par- correspondent, and I did um, get you in a bit of trouble, or try to get you in a bit of trouble last week. <laughs> Sabrina has written again. Dear Sabrina, you'll recall my message of last week where I made the insinuation that thanks to your expert advice, I had developed muscle strain. <laughs> I must sincerely apologise. I got bloody shingles. <gasps> Malcolm. No, Malcolm. Oh, shingles are horrible. I think oh. muscle strain would have been a far better option. <laughs> Get well soon, Malcolm. I hope Absolutely. that doesn't knock you around too hard. And don't you be frightened to get back out there in the garden, Malcolm. <laughs> All right, let's head to Sharon, who's calling. Just a reminder, the talkback number, if you do want to ask Sabrina a question, 1300 Good morning, Sharon in Goosbury Hill. Oh, good morning. Morning, Sharon. Um, we buried our, um, our beautiful old dog a couple Aww. of weeks ago in the bush. He was Aww. 16. So that was a bit He sad. had a good life. He did. He's a lovely old boy. Mm. Anyway, um, we're in Goodsby Hill and yep. we've got um, part of our area is a, a bush area. So we've, we've um, buried him there and yeah. it was actually quite sandy, which was wonderful. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I wouldn't like to be digging a hole for a dead Labrador in Goodsby Hill. Goodsbury Hill. Yeah, yeah, no, well... <laughs> It was, um, we bought a tractor at the back home. Ah, oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, so we wanted to, we, we've obviously put in there and we just want to choose a nice tree to plant Aww. there. Now, it's amongst, we've got just some normal red gums yep. around in, yep. in that bush area. Yep. So I'm just trying to think whether to go with something native or deciduous because obviously um, deciduous ones are fire retardant. Yes. But, um, because it's in the bush and it wouldn't have reticulation there, to get it established, obviously, we'd have to water you it. Would have would you would have to go water. something native or deciduous? And what would you suggest as a, a nice specimen tree? Um, well, I think because you, your dog's there, if you, ha- if you put a deciduous tree in, Sharon, you would water it because it reminds you of, you know, yeah. of your lovely little fella. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I would put in a, you need to make sure that it's not going to be a weedy tree that will sort of take off in the bushland. Yeah. Um, you could put in, what sort of dog was he, by the way? A golden retriever. Oh, they're such beautiful, beautiful. dogs. <laughs> um, so you could put in, you could put in something that's going to have lovely autumn foliage. Yeah. Um, uh, so, or you could put in something actually that would. Do you have cockatoos that are in the area? Um, we we don't have cockatoos. Not not. But, oh, just occasionally we'll get the black cockatoo, right. but not all the time. No, um, we have more than twenty eight. Because sort of I was thinking you could put a pecan tree in, and that would feed the black cockatoos. But they don't have beautiful autumn colour. So the things that have the beautiful autumn colours, there's a Chinese pistachio tree, which is pretty tough. Is that really slow growing though? Yeah. Mm. Oh, you want something a bit faster than that. Is the claret ash, would that survive? The problem with claret ash is it suckers when it's oh. under stress and you don't want that suckering through the bush. Okay. Um, and that, but that has truly beautiful colours. Liquid ambers become weedy because their seeds go everywhere. They have lovely autumn colours. Chinese tallow wouldn't survive without a lot of tender loving care. Um, you could put in one of the ornamental pears. There's one called Edgewood. That has okay. lovely autumn colours. And if I wanted a bigger tree, um, if I was to go for something native, is there something that would be sort of stand out? More? Oh, absolutely. Why don't you put in one of the carimbias, the, the, you know, the red flowering gum? Right, There's a yep. beautiful bright, bright, bright orange one. So they're all grafted now. So you can get red, pink and this vermilion orange colour. So okay. that would look absolutely stunning. I, I'd... I'd choose that one. Good luck with that and that important decision for you, Sharon. Let's head to Joanne now in White Gum Valley. Hi, Joanne. Hi, ladies. Good morning. Morning, Joanne. 
I've got a problem with my Glebitzia. Yes. Sunbath. I did send some photos, so I don't know whether you can see them. We planted it in about September, October last year. So we yeah. moved into the area yeah. and had our garden done. The bottom branches seem to be booming along, but the top half of the tree is just looking a little sad. Okay. Um, now, that's a common thing in Gleditzias. Um, yeah. So we're just trying to find your photo, but it's not coming up yet. Um, uh, now, particularly the sunburst. Um, mm. So I would be giving it trace elements. Um, and uh, you're in that really alkaline, sandy soil, which is Caprock limestone. Yeah. So um, we found your pictures, uh, and uh, it may not be enjoying the soil. Uh, it do- now it doesn't look too bad, Joanne. Yeah. So if you can get you can get a foliar trace element spray that you spray on the leaves of the plants. Mm-hmm. I would cut the top just the very very top off the gladitsia. Yeah. You know where there's no there's no leaves on those top branches at all. No. So cut the tops, get that click on foliar trace element spray, spray yeah. it all and then if you do that every 2 weeks it'll start to pick up. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Okay, Joanne, no worries. Thanks for calling, Joanne. And if you do give Molly a call on 1300 720 and you've sent a photo in, which is super helpful for Sabrina like Joanne did, just let Molly know um, that you've sent a photo through because she's wonderful and she Jeez. helps us out rather than us bumbling while oh, we're trying to, <laughs> trying to find the right photo for the right caller. All right, we'll go to Ricky now in Girawang. Good morning, Ricky. Oh, hi. How are you going, both of you? Yeah, good. Well. That's good. Um, I have an infestation of cooch that I really want to deal with, but it's kind of in amongst my native plants. Yeah. No problem, Ricky. What you need to do is you need to go and get yourself a selective herbicide called Fusilade, F-U-S-I-L-A-D-E. I can give you the product name because it's the only one of its kind. Okay. Um, uh, Now, Fusilade is a selective herbicide and it only kills grasses. So um, all your other native plants will be safe. And does that include, I've got a couple of Dianella, are they sort of grassy enough to be affected or not? Uh, they're not from the Poaceae family, so it's not going to affect the Dianellas, no. Thank you, Ricky. Good luck with that one. Let's head to Karen now in Mandra. Good morning, Karen. Oh, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, Karen. That's good. Um, my question is I'm having problems with mealybugs on my Ooh. plants. Yeah. <laughs> How do I best get rid of them? I've been trying and they keep yeah. popping back up. Now, unfortunately, mealybug are one of the hardest things to control and all the really beautiful soft organic sprays like the potassium soap, the oils, the neem, unless you're out there spraying every two weeks and you can't use those products once temperatures are above 34 degrees, um, it becomes... Very, very difficult. So gardeners have to resort to a systemic insecticide. And there's one that uh, is imidacloprid, which is a ridiculous name to try and remember. But there's a few products with imidacloprid. Um, Now, the problem with that particular Uh, chemical is that when a plant is in flower if bees go to the flower then it kills the bees oh okay so you can't use it on anything that's flowering karen okay yeah it's mainly on like um, a palm a flax oh well that's okay well there you go if you if you look at if you'll need to go to a nursery Karen, yeah. Yeah. and you want to ask for something that has imidacloprid. Imidacloprid, yeah. Yeah. Imidacloprid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they'll give you if you any nursery you go, you go into, you say, "Can you give me the stuff that people are using for chili thrips?" 
they'll have it. They'll probably have boxes of it. So sounds like there's a bit of demand for it. Yes, yes, a high demand. <laughs> uh, good luck with that, Karen. Uh, hi, Sabrina and Co. I guess I'm Co. Well, maybe I'm going to give Glennis from Bunbury benefit of the doubt. That's autocorrect. It was actually Sabrina and Row, ah! and it's autocorrected to Co. Let's go with that. <laughs> I love your show. Never miss it. Could you please identify these pretty little flowers for me? They come up every summer and make a lovely show. And I would like to know what they are called. And Silence isn't good for radio stuff. <laughs> well, that's it looks like a perennial flocks. It is. I haven't seen those for years. What you have there is a perennial flocks. P H L O X. They're Beautiful. lovely. Yeah. So they die down and then they pop back up. So they die down in winter, pop up in in the spring and summer. There you go, Glennis. Thank you for silencing Sabrina. That's not an easy thing That's to do. That's a rare treat. And sharing your text with us, 04379 Of course, we're edging very close to Sab's pick of the week. Ooh, and we've got a cracker for you this five week. Five minutes away from that. It's coming up to 26 past nine. Got a gardening question? Ask Sabrina. one 722 let's head to Glenda in Duncraig now. Good morning, Glenda. Good morning. Um, I've got lots of acapanthus, so I want to dig up and redesign the garden. Yeah. How long can I leave them out of the ground for? Well, I wouldn't leave them out for anything longer than about six weeks. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, were you thinking of longer? <laughs> No. Oh, well, you know, they're bloody tough because they've got those, um, the the sort of really fleshy root system and they've got the, you know, fleshy leaf. They actually can hold on to water for a long time. Um, And I've seen, (laughs) I've seen people that have forgotten that they actually threw a whole pile somewhere and they've come back about four months later and they're only just starting to shrivel. So you've got a fair bit of time up your sleeve there, Glenda. Okay, great. I'll wait when the weather cools down. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And um, can I do the same with um, canna lilies? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, because they have a rhizome. So, oh, right, yeah. The rhizome's yep. okay. Yep. All right, one last thing. Can I use sheep poo on natives? You can use sheep poo on anything. Brilliant. Thank you so <laughs> but, much. But not your election day cupcakes. <laughs> Don't want to use them on that. On you, Glenda. Three for the price of one. Very cleverly oh, no, snuck in a few extra questions there. In. I like that. What I also like is when you, you're describing and you're looking at me for me to nod <laughs> knowingly like, you know, you know. And I just encourage you along with a smiling face and a you nod do. going, yeah, absolutely. I know what you're talking yeah, about, Sabrina. that's right. <laughs> Let's head to Jenny now in Leshenau. Hi, Jenny. Oh, hi, uh, Sabrina. Hello. Um, thanks for taking my call. My um, Kuta Mandra Wattle, it's been, I put it in around 21 years ago oh. and it lost a limb. Yeah. You should have a photo of it. I do. It certainly has lost a limb. It's got a dirty, great big rip <laughs> yes. down there. Yes. So if you've had that for 20 years, you're very lucky because they usually only last about 15. Oh, okay. All so right. the well, reason it's got a nice canopy. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, probably not for long because that's a very severe wound there, Jenny. Right. Yeah. So okay. that is going to leave it well and truly open to disease. And because it's really old, it's more susceptible. Uh, with a, <laughs> The only thing you could do is to prune that, that whole limb off. Uh, well, that has been done, but then if we prune any more, we may as well just get rid of oh, the I'll cut tree. the tree down. Mm, mm. Well, you've pruned it, so that's all you can do. Um, so... I'll just leave it as is, but yeah. I just thought somehow could I um, protect that wound? Well, you could put some wood putty in there. Mm, okay. Try that. That's really the only thing you can from? do. Oh, you'd go to a... A big warehouse place where they sell oh, yes. putty. Yes. Um, oh, that sort of putty. Yeah, yes, that okay. kind of putty, yeah. It's wood. Fine. It's wood putty. It's what people use on their windows and doors. Good on you, Jenny. Let's go to Kylie in Gooseberry Hill now. Hi, Kylie. Oh, hey there. How are you going? Yeah, good, Kylie. Good, good. Um, I'm, I've got a ground cover of baby sunrose and it's quite thick and, and dense. Yeah. I'm wanting to grow some bulbs underneath it and yeah. I'm just wondering if there's anything that will actually have the strength, I guess, to pop through that thickness. I'm thinking maybe ranunculus. 
Uh, I don't think ranunculus would actually. It's something that's got a longer stem would and a thicker leaf. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, you, any of the um, crocus probably would actually. Um, any of the daffodils, jonquils, um, hyacinth. Uh, tulips? Sorry? Do you think tulips would? Mm, no, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably worth trying <laughs> tulips. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. okay. And if I was to do that, do I need to pull them up each year? Or with tulips, them, with um, tulips you have to. You'll only get one year out of tulips. Okay, yep. But all the others, daffodils, jonquils, those sorts of things that people put in, um, the, you know, the little snowdrops and things, you could use those as well. You just leave those in the ground. But with tulips, you'd have to lift. Yep, okay, not a worry. Mm. That's perfect. Good on you, Kylie. Thanks very much for your call on our way to the most anticipated part of Roots and Shoots. Uh, we've got an anonymous correspondent who <laughs> sent in a photo of a watermelon. Of his thong. <laughs> I, I, I saw it when it was a little picture and I thought, oh, look, someone sent in a picture of their thong. They may be after the other the other part of the thong. <laughs> we so, do lost and found on roots and shoots. They've got the right thong and they've lost the left, the left but yeah. that's to give us an indication of the size of the watermelon. So the question is, is this watermelon ready to be picked? Correct. Now, how you know if pumpkins, watermelons, rock melons, all those sorts of melons... If they are ripe, the umbilical cord that attaches to the fruit will actually start to dry out and shrivel. And when you um, hit the watermelon, it'll have a hollow sound to it. Um, Done that before, haven't you? I have. So, So really look at the umbilical cord. Now, if you don't pick that within the next few days, what will happen is the crows will come and they will have a damn fine old time because they drill down into the watermelon and they have a lovely little morning tea snack. Okay. Mm. There you go. But I do believe that your watermelon is ready to pick. Excellent. And hopefully you find your left thong. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> 28 to 10 here on Roots and Shoots. I don't think we can keep the good folk of Western Australia waiting no. any longer. It is that time again. It is. Sabrina's musical pick of the week. Pick of the week. I know you're going to dig this. Here we go now. I know you're going to dig this, is what it says at the end there. Lana, and you know who's going to dig it more than anyone in the entire world is Wombat. It's kind of appropriate, isn't it, really? Like (laughs) burrowing? (laughs) Absolutely. This is for you, Wombat. This is a little bit of Akadaka shot in the dark. The thing I love the most about Sab's Pick of the Week is that clearly Sabrina's picked it, so she's going to like it. Mm. And also so pleased with yourself as soon as, <laughs> as soon as the song hits. And then I get to witness Sabrina rocking out, and I mean properly rocking out. Every week I think I will film her, I will share it with you guys, so it's not just my little bit of joy on a Saturday morning because it is truly joyful. Um <laughs> You're happy with that one, aren't you? Oh, I love that one. I hope Wombat was listening because, you know, that would be the sort of, you know, if you have to clean your oven. Mm. Well, I never do. But if you have to Apparently. clean your oven or clean out the fridge yeah, when you know there's slimy stuff growing in it, you would have to play that song because it's the only thing that would get you through such a horrendous experience. You're probably right. Let's head back to your calls. They are banking up, 1300 720 and we'll go to George first. Good morning, George, down in Denmark. Hello, hello. Hello, George. Did you like my song pick of the week? I was dancing. I was dancing. <laughs> Good man. Good man. How can we help you, George? Oh, well, I was told there was a, a, a bird expert on today. Yes, Eric McCrum is, uh, is, is coming on air. So um, uh, uh, do you have a question for him, George? Yes, so I've got a bit of a, a magpie problem. It's pretty common. Yeah. I'm in a bit of a competition with my neighbour, you know, to see who lays the most eggs. Oh. So 
Yeah, no, so I've got my truck pen at the end of the garden. Right. But unfortunately, uh, every time I run out there to try and get an egg, and the bumming magpie comes down from the tree, swoops them up, stopping like bombs all around the street. Oh, it p- picks up the eggs. Yes, yes. He's <laughs> eating them. What a, those magpies are pretty, pretty clever, George. Yeah. So would you like to know how you could sort of veer them away from your chook pen? Yeah. I, I mean, I tried the CD-ROMs. Yes. But they're not working. They didn't do nothing. Oh, well, this okay, might be the well, time to bring yeah, our we'll bring, we'll bring Eric in now, the most magnificent man on the planet, Eric McCrum. How are you this morning, Eric? Oh, Sabrina, top of the world, lad. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. It's been a while since we've we've actually spoken to each other, Eric, but I do listen to you a lot. Well, that's marvellous. Thank oh. you for that. It's my pleasure. Now, Eric, the reason for us contacting you is for the last week on uh, Tuesday, I found a dead adult male magpie. Are you going to put yourself ahead of George's problem? No, George can wait. (laughs) (laughs) That was on Tuesday, and I know it was male because the nape was pure white. And then on the Wednesday morning, I had a dead female magpie under the tree. These are all – so one tree is on the front verge, the other tree is in the backyard. And I've never had two dead magpies – one after the other, ever. And I've been in my garden for 18 years. Um, Now, I'm wondering, this is the question I pose to you, Eric, before we pose George's question about the magpies eating his chook eggs. Um, I live in a suburb that's all being subdivided now because they're all quarter-acre blocks and they're fitting two or three houses on or a block of eight units. So... This is – the whole suburb was built for post-war, so that was return servicemen housing. So the houses were built in the 50s. All these big, big, big trees were planted at the same time. So they've been in the ground, you know, since late 1950s. All those big old trees are coming down because they're developing the blocks So my theory, this is my theory, Eric, is that the competition for trees has become so fierce and there's wars going on between crows and magpies. You can hear them carrying on. Do you think that is what is occurring? That's a possibility. uh, From listening to what has been said so far, my suspicions are if there are Two adults are dead. One, they could be just old and, and died, which is not, not likely because you practically never see a, a dead uh, magpie in the wild. No, my I've never sus- ever seen one. Uh, my suspicions are that they have, because they're ground feeders, they've probably picked up a bait or someone's been putting out baits for maybe snails or something and they may have eaten either the snail and the bait, and have died from it. The fact that you've had two uh, within days of mm. one another is very unusual. Yeah. They've, and I, so I've got, uh, the trees are, well, one's a lemon-scented gum and it's probably 40 metres high and the other ones are really old sugar gum and be the same height. So they hang around those two trees um, and I just wondered if when a magpie gets really old and falls asleep in a tall tree, does it, <laughs> it's, when it hits the deck, it's not, not really nice <laughs> for them. Because they've had blood on their, in their, on their beak, coming out of their beak, both of them. Well, in that case, there, it may be that the uh, tribe, and as you, as you well know, magpies live in a a tribe, mm. and they own an area. Yes. It could be that the numbers of uh, birds in the in the group are getting a bit big, and so they're tending to throw the weaker ones oh, out. Right. And there could be a fight between the the tribe and one of the, and they just literally just kill them. Right. Mm. Oh. Eric, before we let you go, did you hear George's problem about um, that? The magpies sweeping and taking the eggs, yeah. Uh, Yes, this is a very easy one to solve. Um, All you've got to do is get some um, 
what's that very uh, bitter thing like a curry? Uh, Jan, what, what's the stuff that uh, is bitter to taste? Anyway, the, all he's got to do okay. is to put some of this very nasty tasting stuff on the egg, leave it out like a chilli or so. Yeah, oh, okay. Chili, just pay, paste that over on the egg itself. Yeah. And, of course, as soon as the birds say, oh, good, I'm going to that. And that'll stop them. Oh, that's a great idea. So you could mix up a paste. You could use, I don't know, curry powder and um, just just get... That, that's right. Uh, the, what's the, the bitter um, the bitter orange? Because I'm sure they wouldn't like that. <laughs> Eric, I have a, a sculpture, a wire bird cage, and it's got pumice stone eggs in it. Oh, right. And the magpies... <laughs> come in and they pick up the pumice stone eggs and then drop them on the roadside because I couldn't figure out why my my pumice stone eggs, I'd see them on the road, yeah, and then I saw one day the magpies come and pick them up, fly up and then drop them. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes, there was a uh, record of um, uh, over in the eastern states there were some of these beautiful snails. This is a seaside one yeah. where these beautiful snails with a very, very tough shell. Yeah. And they actually found out that the uh, seagulls were actually picking up these because the snail would retreat inside the shell. They'd pick up these, uh, fly up to 100 metres above the ground and drop, drop it down onto the rocks. And the the actual fall was actually cracking the shell. The gulls would then fly down and then pull the, the meat out from in between Clever. the shell. Talk Clever, about intelligent little animal. They most definitely are, Eric. They no. most definitely are. Nice to talk to you this morning, Eric. Thanks for having a chat with us. All the best to you, folks. Thanks, Eric. And I hope, George, that you got the solution there mm. for the magpies coming in and sweeping your chicken eggs. Let's even, get... even I was thinking, even bitter aloe. All right. You, you could rub bitter aloe on the eggs because that's really. They're obviously quick learners if you only have to do it once. Mm. They're very, very clever. Magpies are very clever. All right, let's head back to your calls now, 1300 720 if you want to get in touch. John in Ellenbrook, good morning. Good morning. It's lovely to speak with you, and especially to Sabrina, my old friend. Ah. Eric is always very welcome at Ellenbrook Garden Club, where I'm a life member out there. I was treasurer for 14 years. Yeah. um, so um, I wouldn't get up and dance to the Akabaka. No. Uh, we've got some Patrick's Day on Wednesday. I could give you a couple of notes from Danny Boy if you like. But but Sabrina, it's the same old problem we've got. The bloody London plane trees mm. here. Now, I pose this to you with Trevor Chapel, the overnight thing. On, yes. On, on yes. The, no, Australia Day. And what it was, the, the people over the east, the other side, they wouldn't know what the Bassendine Sands are. No. But we know they're gutless, aren't they? They most certainly are. And especially um, around Ellenbrook, John. So, um, and the, the question that John posed row was um, what what can we replace London plane trees with and particularly as John says in gutless sandy soil they just do not do very well so I think we need to look at what grows well on gutless sandy soil I know that they've put in the London plane tree because it's deciduous but why don't we put something in that gives something back so you know there's a major problem with food for cockatoos I reckon let's if we if we're going to plant London plane trees, put in some pecan trees instead, or put in you know they're deciduous. Um, we need to think about put in almonds, put in Mediterranean much tougher trees than London plane trees. So good point, John. Thank you, John, for your call. Let's head down south for a couple of calls, and we'll start with Jerry in Bustleton. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, morning, Jerry. How are you? Very well. Good. Good. Sabina, I've got a bit of a problem with my mandarin tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, they form to about the size of a tombola, mm-hmm. and then they all split, and I've lost about 20 in the last fortnight. They all fall on the ground. Uh, mm. Last year I had the same problem, and I was advised to give it some potash, which I have done yep. two or three applications on. Yep. Yep. Uh, this I... year the same thing starting to happen again. <sighs> yeah. Sometimes it's now. What are you What are you fertilising it with, Jerry? 
Uh, citrus fertiliser. Okay. Um, now you're in Bustleton, so yep. I reckon it's more of a uh, a trace element deficiency. I know you're giving it potash, yep. but that's not going to have all the – so that's just giving them potassium, nothing else. Right. So you're going to have an iron, a manganese deficiency, um, yep. and sometimes with, with mandarins – um, as soon as they get that kind of stress, they'll just drop their fruit. Okay. So the most effective way of getting trace elements to a plant is through foliar feeding. It's right. too late now because you've got to start that process in spring yes. and summer. There's a click on one that you can get that you spray all the tree with and you right. need to do that at least every three weeks. Every three weeks. Yeah, and that will starting really – Well, you, I, I would start in summer. Okay. Um, so uh, – and that that will sort of build up all the levels of trace elements to help it keep the fruit on the tree. So being in the same area, I've got a, an orange tree with – yeah, that's really yeah, but really well, and the grapefruit tree's dealing well, and the lemon yeah, tree, but, but the mandarin but tree, no. mandarins are notorious for doing that, for splitting and dropping their fruit before they're. And the other thing is, you have to thin the fruit out, Jerry, because mm. it, it can't. They, they have hundreds of fruit on them; they can't maintain them all. Thanks, Jerry, from Jerry and Bustleton to Judy and Bustleton. Hi, Judy. Hello to you, Row, and hi to Sabrina. Hello, Judy. My first time on the show. Oh, welcome. Yeah, and I don't think I can beat Eric McCrum. He's an amazing man. <laughs> I know. Isn't he just a gem? Yeah, he really is. And I've got the same problem as Jerry, not with the citrus, but with our soils. Oh, I'm okay. On the coastal strip between the ocean and the wetland, right yes. in central Bustleton. Yes. Our, uh, our pH levels are just, you know, off the... Yeah, Richter scale. Off the grid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually foliar feed uh, probably about every three weeks yep. with um, a mixture of iron, chelate, and magnesium. Yep. Um, and I've used lots of soil microbes and add, um, you know, like humus and everything to the yeah. soil. Yeah. But I'm still getting, um, particularly this year, I'm getting a problem with um, uh, the yellowing. Yeah. And I listened last week to you, and is it Dr. Bugalug? Yes, yes. That was a great program. I loved it. And I, I heard you talk about the sulfur tablets because I, yes. I do use the sulfur granules every spring and yep. dig them in. But um, I went into a couple of places here. I haven't looked online to find out where I can get them and how you instill them in yep. the soil. And that's what I need help with today. Okay, so um, so Judy, there, there. If you go to an agricultural supply place, that's where you'll find them, and they're sort of in um, pellets. So they're sulfur, they're slow release uh, pellets. But you'll need to go to, you know, the the agricultural stores that sell to farmers and growers, and that's where you'll get it from. Thanks, Judy. A couple of identification problem-solving issues for you here, Sab. Um, The photo from Christine in Jalora. Please let me know the name of this bulb. Flowers as they die off. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Flowers then as they die off, two long leaves come up. That's called haymanthus. It's all blood lily because it's that beautiful bright red colour and they're magnificent. I love them. So haymanthus. Beautiful. Nan in Manji, can you tell me what this plant is? Oh, that's the um, prawn plant. Oh, I have to – I can't remember its proper name now. Um, I'll – that's all right. I'll get Prawn it for plant. you in a minute. I'm sure that'll help yep. Nan. She can potentially I do some Googling them. and get through that one. Um, what have we got here? Hi, Sab. Are you able to identify this tree? There are a couple of solitary specimens on the scarp between Mundaring and Armadale. Are you familiar with those ones? No. I'll have to get my little book out for that one. It's all right. We'll, it um, kind of looks like a... Um, a sawn off brachychitin. Okay. Well, here we are. There's, of course, I haven't got my glasses. Ah, <laughs> oh, just, just this here. So, yeah, there's what written it in is. Really big writing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just this here. That's okay. what that prawn plant is. Um, a beautiful perennial. Pink flowers can, uh, you can grow it from a cutting very easily. 
Okay. And how do you go with fungus? Oh, that that's your... my favourite. That's that's the um, – so that fungus comes up in potting mix and um, it is the – it's the um, parasol. They call it parasol uh, fungus. I'm going to give you the proper name of it. It uh, is all in my gut. It's coming up everywhere because of the humidity. <laughs> Um, pop, 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 popping, pop, pop, popping, or you know something it's going like to pop that. into your head at about mm, oh, eleven thirty no. or something like it that today. But I'm sure you'll find insane. it. Um, we'll head back to your calls. This, what are we? Seven minutes away. Flower from- pot, flower pot fungus. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's the flower pot fungus, and its proper name is Leucocoprinus. Okay. Leucocoprinus burnbormii. Okay, I'll I'll stop putting you on the spot with plant identification now. <laughs> a bit rough this late Flower in the show. Flower pot parasol. It is poisonous. Do not eat it. It's harmless to the plant. It means that your the the potting mix is healthy. Okay, but don't eat it. All right, good stuff. Let's go to Murray now in Melville. Hi, Murray. Oh, how are you going? Gee, the sun's shining after about a week. I oh, know. How nice. Can't wait to get out of the studio and enjoy it. I know. And hasn't the humidity been wonderful? Oh. <laughs> See, I actually love humidity and the plants, everything is green. Anything that has a flower has just gone pop. Love the humidity. And I haven't been watering the grass either. I know. See, we haven't had to water at all because there's so much water in the air. We don't need to water. <laughs> I, um, about October, not October, November last year, I might have done it a month late, um, I gave the avocados, my avocados are big prunes. From, say, thinking five metres, I cut them down to about three metres. Right. And um, the Fjerty's gone mad. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, Fjerty yeah. Yep. has gone mad. And can I give it another good cut now? Mm, well, how long ago did you say you cut it? Well, I think it was November. You last Oh, year, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You yeah, you said, can. You yep. said October, I think, is yep. the best time. Well, yep. I was a month late. No, that's all right. Yeah, hook in, hook in, Murray. Take off two, another two metres. <laughs> well, okay. I did, I'd go a metre. A metre, okay. <laughs> you know you've got to be more specific than, than hook, hook in. It's going to have dire consequences. Let's go to Russell now in Guildford. Good morning, Russell. Good morning, ladies. Oh, um, top of the morning to you, Russell. It's my question is, frangipani. Yeah. Uh, do they poison the lawn underneath? No. Oh, so my grass isn't looking very healthy. And it's sort of like uh, it may, maybe it's cutting off too much sunshine then? Ah, oh, yeah, it'll be sunlight. It'll be lack of sunlight. What sort of lawn you got, Murray? I mean, Russell. Yeah, that's okay. I've been called anything. <laughs> what sort of lawn is it? A uh, bit of mixture, kikuyu, Okay, so I'd say it's lack of sunlight. So you can sprinkle wow. some dichondra, put in a couple of plugs of dichondra. That will grow where the lawn won't, and you never have to mow it or do anything to it. Does that attract bees? No, it has no flower whatsoever. Okay, no, it's just green. Yep, just green. Lovely little oh, ground okay. cover. Good oh. on you, Russell. Thanks very much for your call. Let's head straight down to Margaret River now and to Kim. Hi, Kim. Hey, how are you going? Good. Um, I have a question. We have a uh, beech tree that was full of white ants, so we cut it down to about a metre, to, just to a stump, and then we poisoned it with uh, white ant poison stuff, the guy did. Yeah. Um, and slow me down, it's uh, sprouting everywhere and growing beautiful peaches. Yeah. I just want to know if it's safe to eat the peaches after we've poisoned it, poisoned it two years ago. Uh, oh, two years ago, yeah. You should be all right now, Russell. No, I'm Kim. Kim. Ah, Kim. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry, Kim. <laughs> I don't, I'm having a bad time this morning. We're not helping you. Okay. Well, I thought I was confused, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> if you did all that two years ago, you can eat the peaches, Kim. All right. Thanks, Kim. We're a couple of minutes away from 10 here on Roots and Shoots. Let's go to Helena in Bayswater. Hi, Helena. Good, good morning. I have a bowl problem. I've been given so so much variation in advice. Oh. Do, do, 
I've got Nareens, Bluebells and Iris and they are multiplying furiously. When can I lift them? When can I move them? What do I do with them? Okay, so Nareens you don't need to lift at all. You can leave those in the ground. The Bluebells, exactly the same. You can leave them in the ground, Helena. What was the other one? Iris. Iris. Well, the thing with iris is you need to divide them every three or four years. So you throw out the old girls and you keep the daughters, basically. When do I do that? Uh, when they, when you see them starting to die down, so once the you'll see the leaves start going dry or the or they wilt, and then they'll die down to to the rhizome. That's when you lift them. So this is after they flowered. After they flowered, yeah. Any uh, any good now? Um, I'm full of enthusiasm. I want to go and pick them all up. <laughs> Got to harness that. Good girl, Helena. Go and do it now. That's fine. And with Iris, you can basically dig them up whenever you want. All right. Thanks, Helena. Let's head to Josh before we go to the newsroom. We might have time for one or two more calls. Josh in Mossman Park. Good morning. G'day, Sabrina. Um, Sabrina, we've got a property down south. It's a 46-acre property that used to be a, a goat dairy years ago, and then it was a commune. So there's a there's a massive orchard, and a lot of the, a lot of the fruit doesn't do well. Like There's pears and there's apples and... The peaches actually go really well. And the avocados, we've got about 30 avocado trees. And this is a place that um, someone you know very well was booked in for their 60th, but it was cancelled because of COVID lockdown. So we were hoping that when you were there, you could have a bit of a wonder and we could have thrown in a couple extra days for you. But um, it's, um, yeah, there's just so many different trees. that, And some of the stuff, we don't even know what they are. What they are. A bit unidentifiable, but... um, We've got a lot of avocados and all the leaves seem to be, they look, I don't know, like water brown. Or, are yeah, they, the I, leaves are br- dry and brown? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with the avocados, they transpire more than they can pull water up, so you'll often get that browning. They must be given liquid potassium uh, four or five times a year. They do not like being waterlogged and they will die once their root system gets um, really waterlogged and and soaking. Um, So, Josh, uh, I think I need to redo my visit down to Albany and uh, (laughs) if we... If you stay on the line, I'll get Molly to get your number because obviously you've got lots of fruit trees that you just don't know what's going on. All right, Josh, hope that was helpful. Um, that's another show done and dusted, I think, Sam. Wow, and look, the sports guys are there. They've descended, keen, haven't they? Keen, keen to, to get, get back in. in the Saturday morning slot and we are super keen to hear them back in the Saturday morning slot. So stick around. Sports Talk will be with you after five minutes of news. It's now 10 o'clock. Thanks for your company this morning. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.